0: we got a big disclaimer before this episode so this is just a lecture and a very broad overview of cpr not to be used as exclusive training on how to do cpr or anything like that a overview of cpr some interesting data about it given by a very knowledgeable paramedic uh who's worked for a very long time in um, the medical community knows what he's talking about, and gives a good lecture. So I just ask for um, a little bit of slack on anything that's maybe slightly outside or uh, anything like that. Or it, it was just a natural lecture that was given, and it provides really good information. So take from it what you will. Um, perhaps you're just listening to see what kind of lectures you sit through as a SAR tech that's doing extra training. So I hope you enjoy this uh, format of episode. Also, for the sponsor of the show, I ask you to uh, check out Nate King out in Comox, B.C., a realtor, Paul Jackman in Greenwood, Nova Scotia, and Ashley Bolin in Gander, Newfoundland. If you need any of those contacts, you can reach thesartake at gmail.com. And of course, if you have any comments about the show or any questions about the SAR trade in general, uh, please reach out. I'll answer and read all the emails uh, as they come in. Thank you and uh, enjoy. Rescue.
1: CPR you can keep somebody's brain alive for a long time and almost indefinitely if it's being done well so keep that in the back of your mind it's not futile in pre-hospital right now we're talking about on average across North America this pre-hospital not you guys know you guys are pre-hospital but you're going into a bit extreme about 10-15% survival rate with cardiac arrest it means one in every 10 Eight to ten people walk out of the hospital after a cardiac arrest happens pre hospital. So that's not nothing. That's something. That's, that's one guy out of every ten. And, uh, it, you know, there's other people that aren't making it for sure, but, but there's one guy that is. And he's walking out to go do everything he was doing before back to his family, back to his job, back to everything. So this isn't a 0.001% survivability. This is, this is something. And that's average. Some places are getting higher survival rates because they're doing stuff like increasing public education CPR. That's probably making more difference than anything we do, having CPR being done right from the get-go. So just know that, that that's the way it is. So you're gonna be going into places, yeah, and if CPR is not being done, it's not gonna look well. But if CPR is being done, and if they've called 911 or if they're in contact with 911 or anything like that, dispatch will walk them through how to do CPR. And there's been some studies around that. Dispatch-assisted CPR actually performs better on survival to hospital discharge than people, the public that's trained with CPR. So two groups, one guy that doesn't have a clue what CPR even stands for, another guy over here takes a CPR course every year. This guy that's being assisted by dispatch to do CPR and be walked through it, this group has better outcomes based on a, a, a moderate study done a few years ago. So so these people can be walked through and, and they can keep brain alive pretty good. <coughs> All right, so that's that's to start with. So in the hospital setting, I mean, they're getting they're getting survival rates, I mean, average right now in North America in hospital cardiac arrest, 20, 25%. One in every four or five people walk out the door of the hospital following a cardiac arrest. So it's not nothing, it's something. Now, you guys' world, you guys got to walk in there. You got two jobs to do when it comes to cardiac arrest. Now, you might be called for an unconscious person. You might be called for cardiac arrest. You don't know for sure. But when you arrive and find out it's cardiac arrest, you got two things you got to do. You know what those two things are? Just overall things. on the patient. Treat
0: and transport.
1: Yep, you got to treat and you got to transport. Yep. When we get down to the cardiac arrest itself, just a chest compressions so that's one what is chest compression what are you actually doing with chest compressions what is it is it saving people's lives right there are you gonna are they gonna come back to life with chest compressions it's
0: keeping the brain from dying.
1: all chest compressions do is save brain that's it it saves brain it makes zero difference not like the tv and the movies where people do a little cpr and the guy comes alive that's not cpr cpr saves brain and brain needs to be saved it can't go very long, very many minutes without being perfused. And if we do good CPR, we can get like 30, 40% of normal cardiac output. If we're like rock solid on CPR, switching out every two minutes, you know, time off chest, minimized. We can we can we can keep a brain alive for like a long time. And of course, in some conditions, hypothermia and stuff like that, pediatrics, like ridiculous amounts of time. But even under normal circumstances. So that's that's one thing we gotta do is save brain. But there's another thing we gotta do too, and you kinda mentioned it a bit. We gotta treat the problem. I mean, we can do CPR all day long, save brain, but if we don't treat the problem, this is not going anywhere. Does that make sense? So if save brain is CPR, what's treat problem? Do we have a. Start the pump. Do do? Yeah, how do we start the pump? Sure. So that's one treatment. Epi, right to the chest. Yeah, we can do that too. That's old cool. So, how do you guys go about figuring out what the hell happened here and actually treat it? So, yeah, that's number one. That's only one thing, though. So, if they got a, a too fast rhythm, that's that's going to be your quick fix. You're going to inadvertently actually start treating the problem with the AED. And most of us do. H's and T's. I treat a lot of... Cardiovascular resuscitation. I treat to. Uh, I I teach you guys about three months ago. I taught a group of five-year fellow cardiologists in Vancouver at uh, Vancouver General Hospital. I teach physicians. I teach nurses. It's exactly the same. It's no different. You're, what you guys do is no different than them. And you got to be good. You got to be clear in that. They got to save brain, and they got to treat problem. How's their treat problem? What's their strategy to treat the problem? If they end up with a cardiac arrest in a, in an emergency in a hospital, H's and T's. Their list is no longer than that. Now they have some diagnostics that you guys don't have that they can actually get everything on that list. You guys only have a, a, a few things, so you can only get a handful of things out of that list. But that list is the list. Like, there's no massive surgical things they're gonna do. They're gonna go through a list of H's and T's and if it's one of those and they can treat it, they're gonna treat it early. And that's about the best chance this guy has at survival. And you guys are gonna do the same thing. You're gonna go through and save brain and then you're gonna, at some point, you gotta stop and say, what the hell happened to this guy? I gotta find, if it's a problem that I can fix, I gotta find it and I gotta fix it or this is going nowhere. So in the hospital, they'll go through, they'll. They'll uh Are they going to send a guy in cardiac arrest off to CT to find out if it's something? Is that ever going to happen? No, he's dead. Are they going to take an x-ray on him when he's dead? No. Are they going to do 12 lead on him when he's dead? No. They're not going to do any of that. They can't do any of that stuff. He's not going to go up to PCI when he's dead. They're going to pour all efforts into him now. What do they got for diagnostics? They got an ECG monitor just like you do. They can see a rhythm. So if it's too fast... They're going to shock it. Just like you guys are going to do. B fib or V-tac, they're going to shock that. <coughs> what else are they going to do? What's that? Yeah, they, they got some drugs they're going to give. And just be aware that those drugs they give, epinephrine and some of the antiarrhythmics, they're going to give, uh, like I said yesterday, zero evidence to date to say they make any difference on survival to hospital discharge. Uh, they're going to give those. But those aren't treat problems. Those are just part of routine kind of resuscitation. Treating problem. There's three things to date that have evidence to say they make a difference on survival to hospital discharge. And that's it. Three. Number one, when somebody's dead. CPR. Without a doubt. Overwhelming evidence to say if it's done early and it's done well, more people walk out the door of the hospital. Number two. Shock. Early shock. Without a doubt. Overwhelming evidence. If it's done early and done well, more people walk out of the hospital. Number three? Rapid
0: transport. Nope.
1: Okay. O2? O2 kind of, but it's, it's treat problem. And if hypoxia was a problem, O 2 is the fix. So that's three. And those things are, have evidence to support them to make a difference. If we can do those three things, the chances of survival are the highest they can be. And it, the evidence supports it. The other stuff is neither here nor there. It, we do it, but there's not a lot of evidence to say it makes a difference. So, we got save brain down. Can we do save brain without treat problem, or can we do treat problem without save brain? No, we can't do one without the other. One's not more important than the other. They're both important. We got to figure out how to do them at the same time. We got to remember our protocol. We got to remember our patient assessment model, and we got to get these two things done: save brain, treat problem. That makes sense. So that's what we're going to practice a bit today is, how the hell do we do that? And you guys are pretty good with it. it. It gets a little bit mucky when we get into treat problem. So when we get into treat problem, what kind of stuff, what kind of problems can you guys treat? The list is not very long.
0: Hypoxia.
1: Hypoxia.
0: Hypothermia.
1: Hypothermia, you can recognize and start maybe making some decisions. It's not an instant treat, but it's on the list, yeah.
0: Tension pneumo.
1: You can do a tension pneumo. You can, you can change it. Hypo-volemia. Hypovolemia. You can't to make a difference on that. The hospital maybe. You know if, the, if they wouldn't send the blood work out because it would take a half hour, an hour to get the blood work back, but they can do a blood gas. But you guys don't have that, so you can't treat potassium, and you wouldn't. So don't worry about it. You can't treat a tamponade. so don't spend too much time losing sleep about a guy who's got a tamponade. You guys can't do a synthesis neither can I, as a paramedic, not within my scope of practice. So those H's and T's don't get lose too much sleep because you can't do anything about them. You can recognize, ah, maybe they got that, but at the end of the day, you can't fix it. So those get set aside. What else can we fix? Hypercapnia a little bit, which... Uh, Hypercapnia, not, with not something that's really, it's, it's all, that would be based in hypoxia and, and good airway ventilation. So we're not going to be able to tell if that exists. We're not going to be able to fix it definitively, but it'll be part of ventilation for sure. You're right. So that's part of hypoxia. Toxins? What's that? Toxins? <laughs> yeah, what can we do for a toxin? Well,
0: yeah.
1: So far to date, there's no evidence that giving Narcan and a cardiac arrest make any difference whatsoever. So put that in your bag and take it with you. Ventilating a patient that could be a narcotic overdose in a cardiac arrest makes a huge difference. And So nar- if they got a narcotic overdose, the ventilation or lack thereof is what killed them. Getting more ventilations, that's what's going to say. If you want to give some Narcan, it's, you can give it. But just realize, to date, based on the 2020 guideline updates that just happened two years ago, they came out and said very plainly, Narcan has no effect in cardiac arrest on survival to hospital discharge. So chalk it up for what it is. So... I think you guys got... Anything else? You want to throw hypoglycemia in there? Yep. So people don't usually die from hypoglycemia, but if their sugars are in the shits, it's an easy check, and if their sugars are brought back to normal, it will definitely assist in, possibly assist in resuscitation, but it's usually not the cause of their death. So you've got a handful of things to figure out. This many. You said hypoglycemia? Hypo... Uh-huh. Hypo... So if the sugars are gone down... Right? T- I t- can't five. That's... Well, you're going to have to figure this out. So, now here's what's, what you guys got to figure out. So you got save brain, you guys can do that rock solid. So what now what? Because that's not enough, we got to treat problem. So you got CPR, there's two of you now. You got CPR going on. You're at uh, C. Chest compressions are happening. And you've already got the AD on, all that's done. So now what? You improve the effectiveness of your oxygenation, so better airway? So then, yep, yeah, so then, yep. Yeah, so you can take care of hypoxia, mm-hmm. and you can kind of check that off your list. If hypoxia caused this guy to die, you put an eye gel in, you, you increase your effectiveness, add 100% O2. If hypoxia killed this guy, you're fixing it. Done. in nothing more you can do, if you have a good airway and good ventilation. Okay, so that's done. Check. We got. We've got three more.
0: Start warming him up?
1: Sure, you can, you can do that if he's okay. cold. If this is a special circumstance, the hypothermia would be that. Then you can start working on that. But, it, but at that point, it's more of a decision. This is a transport decision now. We've got hypothermia. It's not an instant fix thing. So now you're just deciding how you're going to get this guy from A to B. That's hypothermia. So now you're left with... How many things? Hypovolemia. Tension pneumo. Tension-pneumo. And hypoglycemia. Yeah, and sugars. So you got those three things now. So now what? Two guys, one's doing uh, chest compression, the other guy's bagging. If you don't, if you've got a tension, you don't fix it. Uh, this is all just a waste of time. Like nothing's gonna change. If this guy's bled out and he's got no volume, you can do CPR all day long if you want. Nothing's gonna change. So now what? Now what are you gonna do? Listen to the lungs and okay. give him an IV. Yeah, so who's stopping? Are you stopping chest compressions? Or are you stopping ventilations? Is one guy going to do chest compressions, ventilations? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Chest compressions being the priority. Mm-hmm. So if you got to skip a ventilation, then that's where you're going to skip. You're not going to skip a compression.
0: What are the civi? you know, like, they take ventilations out of, like, St. John's First Aid or whatever?
1: Uh, the, the lay public will, yeah. yeah. But in the healthcare profession, they won't. No, no
0: but I'm just saying, like, that's where they're teaching you know like the hockey coaches like if you do well anything, just do compressions the priority is
1: compressions the science behind compressions is without a doubt there so compressions are the, are the thing and in adults because adults often de- tip over because of a cardiac event they have oxidated hemoglobin that in a cardiac arrest state can last like 15 20 minutes with no ventilations at all so consider that I mean you guys are gonna be showing up probably after that but still compressions are the priority and you definitely need, after uh, some minutes, you need to get oxygen in there as well. So it's not unimportant, it's a lower priority. If the guy died from hypoxia, it's a higher priority. It won't be higher than compressions, but it'll be up top of the list. So you gotta figure out how now, one guy's gotta do compressions breathing, and the other guy's gotta to, got to finish an RBS, find out what the hell's going on here, and, and you've gotta start Treating, you got to start considering an IV or an IO, and you got to look. And if there's trauma, you got to consider attention pneumo, decompressing it. That. So that's going to be the trick.
0: There's be an argument just because you're short on hands for using a non-rebreather and can I get a blow by? Have at least some O2 in the
1: vicinity, and that way the person on the chest. There's there's some 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 argument, but you're gonna you're gonna want to force air through it. It's not crazy, but. It, it, it's not—it's not difficult to do compressions, stop, and then do two two breaths, and then get back on the compressions. It's not crazy to do that. So, again, the priority is your compressions, uh, ventilations. You need to add some oxygen in there eventually because it's going to run out. So Does that make sense? The list is not a mile long. You're going to go through your list, and you're going to either find it and fix it, or you're going to rule it out and say that's not what's happening. This guy tipped over. Having chest pain tipped over. Uh, am I going to decompress his chest? Obviously not. He's got no sign of trauma. And I can see bilateral chest rise. I'm not going to decompress his chest. So I'm going to scratch it off my list as a probable cause. And I move on to the next thing. Is he hypovolemic? Is there any sign that he's hypovolemic? Pool of blood over there. There's a sign. i got to fix that before I move on. And in the meantime, you're going through your shocks, or no shocks, and you're going through your, your process. And when you call the doc, he's going to be wanting to know, did you, did you fix whatever was broken? And you're going to go, yep, it was either fixed or it wasn't, wasn't part of this story. And then you're going to talk about what the next steps are. Does that make sense? If there's electrical activity, you're going to fight for that electrical activity. Any electrical activity, you're going to fight for it. That's a sign of life. If it's asystole, and you'll be able to see that on your monitor, that's not a sign of life. That's a sign that things are not going well. And so that's going, to be, that's going to be another thing you're going to add into your decision on whether you're going to continue this or not. And if operationally possible, you're going to be, and same with the paramedic, you're going to pour every effort into, say, brain tree problem and try to get a pulse back. All hands on deck. And this is going to be like solid 30 minutes, so if you can operationally do that, that's the better choice. If you can't, then you know how that goes. But as soon as you move this guy to another location and stop CPR, all benefit up to that point of the good CPR that's been done will be lost very quickly. And the, the chance of resuscitation will dwindle very quickly. So, very rarely do paramedics more and more transport dead people to the hospital, unless there's special circumstances like you guys have in your protocol. Most people have the same special circumstances, hypothermia, pediatrics. You know, if I'm close to a hospital and I have a known reversible cause, a young person, I might fight for that, especially if I got some sort of sign of life, electrical activity. But in the absence of all that and a long transport, you got to make some decisions. And that's where you guys have protocols to help you through that. Does that make sense? So today is about remembering your patient assessment model, going through that, sticking to it, getting this unconscious patient that maybe that's all you know about, finding he's in cardiac arrest, and then getting save Brain locked in, and at some point you gotta take a breath and say, okay, partner, we got save Brain covered, we're doing a good job there, we gotta figure out what the hell happened now and treat the problem if we can actually find one we can treat, and that becomes your next Priority. Save Braintree Pro. I
0: also have a question. Yeah. I've only ever done it in a simulation, but I, was told, I
1: called the EP at the end. Yep. And I was, it, this is all sim, but they actually called the doc and he told me to drop Epi and dilute it and push that. Yeah. Is that something that you could expect? If, if e- yeah, absolutely. They might say that.
0: Like, that's out of our skill set. We don't like to never touch totally. that. Yeah. I mean, something it's
1: something that a doc could tell you. I, I, I can't say it wouldn't. They would do that, but just know. As far as priority-wise, Epi does not sit in the world of making a difference on survival to hospital discharge. So, if you got to prioritize things, am I gonna give him Epi or am I gonna am I gonna give him a fluid bolus because I think he's got fluid? Epi doesn't even doesn't even hit. This was like I've done everything. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm calling Epi to terminate. Yeah. That's where you tell the guy just so you know, Epi's probably not gonna make a big difference. That's right. Yeah. This this is not something we do very often, or we do it all.